Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. This is part two of an interview we did. This is the first time in the World Prayer Network history we've actually taken one that I can call and broken into two parts because of the length of it. It was so powerful, so incredible. We were interviewing in part one, Chloe Cole, on the issue of transgenderism or trans identificationalism, and an attorney by the name of Bernadette Broyles. They were an exceptional pair in part one. They covered so much. And so we just kept the cameras rolling, and we're going to go right into part two. If you missed part one, go to the worldprayernetwork.org and listen to part one. Do not miss it. It is exceptional. And I want to encourage you to call all your friends and tell them to get on the World Prayer Network call right now. Click on the likes, the shares, etc., and uh, get get them on here because you're going to hear some remarkable things on the issue of transgenderism or trans identificationism, as it's being called. And uh, listen to what Chloe and Bernadette taught us all. Let's go right into part two of that interview. What do you say? Either one of you can respond to this. To parents who are watching this, who are heartbroken over some things that their children have been saying to them as it relates to their gender, or grandparents that are watching this, or uncles and aunts, and they're crushed regarding their nephews, nieces, or grandchildren, and things that they're watching them say and actually believe. How would you coach those parents or loving relatives to respond? Either one of you or both of you respond to that. Well, I have several things I would love to say, but, but Chloe, if you have, you want to start out. Yeah. This is something that you should never affirm, whether it be through preferred pronouns or names or by calling them by the opposite sex or whatever that, that, that it is that they identify as. Because in doing so, you'll be lying to them. You'll be reinforcing this idea that, yes, they were born in the wrong body, that the way that they were made is wrong and that needs to be fixed. Because if your child is perfectly healthy otherwise, nothing needs to be fixed they're beautiful and you should be instilling that in them you should be reinforcing their identity by telling them that the way that they were born is perfect that it has a purpose that they have identity in that, and that's and encouraging them to build their role in the world through what they do rather than what it is that they consume, what they call themselves, how they dress. It should be their skills, their hobbies, their role in their in their family, in their community. Uh, I, I, I couldn't possibly agree with, with Chloe more. Here's the deal. Love speaks truth, always. Love that is not based on truth is not love. It is something else. It might be. It might be manipulation. It, it. It might be enabling. It's something else. But it's not love. And so I say to parents all the time: remain an anchor to the truth. Remain an anchor to reality. Your child may be confused and may be deeply confused, but you need not be. And you need to be a placeholder for for laying a hold on reality for them. I would say secondly. Um, remove your child immediately from the toxic environment. This is not, this is coming from somewhere. 
most likely from from the internet social media take away show social media completely completely it is toxic and the algorithms your child is probably on there and they figured out that your child was interested in this particular issue and the algorithm started feeding this to them and sucking them down into a into a hole so completely take it away if there's a friendship group that that this is you know coming up in cut that off if it's if it's school officials that are are endorsing this we move them from that school i mean immediately and what we have found with parents and bring them into a a wholesome environment by the way um bringing your child into nature we have found has been a wonderful help to get them but because nature's real get them out of the virtual and surreal world into the real world sports things like this and we have we have had um, many parents talk about how yes they were able to lovingly and with tenacity eventually bring their child out of this with taking some of these steps and obviously praying over them <laughs> praying over them and getting others to pray with you as well is hugely important do we have any sense nationally of the numbers of people who have started into this tragic treatment and then gloriously do we have any sensing for some kind of numbers or statistics that would indicate people who are aware they've gone down the wrong path and they're trying to detransition if that's the correct word i should be using in this right well so jim you ask a great question and what's remarkable to me is that we don't have accurate numbers on the number of kids that this is sucking into i believe very strongly that that is on purpose and because if if it was accurately known just how many kids are being seduced into this that it would it would be alarming we have we have some indicators from um, insurance information that we have been able to access that suggests 300,000 kids have started on these treatments uh, in the United States, that's just the United States. But the difficulty is not, uh, these treatments are not just paid by private insurance. There's there's actually public insurance as well, uh, or crowdfunding, or so there's a different, right? So it's, it's still not an accurate number, but that's alarming, that's just treatments. How many kids are actually gender confused? I have seen a variety of surveys that have indicated 10%, 12%, I've seen even, even more than that of kids under 20 years old as, L, as identifying on the LGBTQ spectrum in some way. That's remarkable. That, that is indicative of social contagion, plain and simple. I've seen numbers as high. I'm not sure these are credible numbers as high as 22%. And even in one Christian university, a professor who specialized in this, said that somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 to as high as 16 percent of the students in that conservative christian university yeah i've heard that yes I've, uh, I've heard numbers like that and i i find myself just a, a bit incredulous but but at the same time between the academic world that is full-on endorsing this the social media the entertainment world you can hardly put a show on Without, with a, without a character. Here, church, here's why pastors, churches, those who are listening must wake up because the only institution that has not been 
completely ideologically captured by this ideology, and, and frankly, it's almost, it's a form of religion, is the church, as well as some other major religions. You know, Islam is against this as well, and, and, and traditional uh, Judaism as well. But it is, it is religious institutions. It is the church. Hmm. Every other major institution has been captured by this as we speak now. And that's why we, we're in an Esther moment. We are in an Esther moment. And yes. cannot imagine that we that the church cannot imagine. Sorry, Jim, that we will be safe behind the walls of the church. Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. Well, the 72 percent of so-called Protestant churches in America are compromised, liberal, left-wing, non-Bible believing. So that only leaves 28 percent that are. And of those, how many of them have a, a biblical worldview and are willing to tackle this and and be straightforward? And talk about it from from the pulpit straightforward way so that number drops considerably unfortunately at that point this is a question i'm going to ask uh bernadette i'm asking chloe but i'm asking through an attorney intentionally to protect her from answering this if she should not and that is given the fact of censorship and even violence in our culture if you speak out against this has chloe received uh serious threats or if you want to skip that question i'll go on to the next one Chloe, I, I can let you speak for yourself because I know the answer. Oh, yeah. I mean, from, from the very beginning of me public, choosing to publicly speak out, I've gotten all sorts of just awful treatments, um, lots of threats of violence um, and of things like of rape, of killing me, of people trying to hurt my family. Um, my family has been, has been doxxed. They've, they, I, I mean, in person, I've even had altercations with some of these people screaming in my face, chasing me down, one person even tripping me um, the first time that I gave testimony publicly. But I knew what I was getting myself into when I made the decision to start speaking out because when, before I ever went public, when I was just talking about this on my personal social media um, with other people within the transgender community, I was rejected. They were hateful towards me. They rejected me because I no longer was a part of them. And they were afraid to even hear my experience. Well, and so let me, let me say this to those who are listening. Um, Yes, those of us who have spoken out, we've, there, there have been consequences. But has it not always been the people of God? In fact, didn't, didn't Jesus say that you would be persecuted for my sake? And remember, truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. So when he said we would be persecuted for his sake, he ultimately would be persecuted for the truth, for the truth. But he, but he told us, take heart. I will be with you. There's blessing in it. This is part of what it means to follow after me. He commands us to take up our cross and follow after him and says that the servant is not greater than the master. So if Jesus had ugly consequences for the truth, can't we expect that we as well? But what will we say when we stand before him 
and we somehow said, oh, I didn't want to be canceled. I didn't want to have a protest. I didn't want to have someone say something mean to me. I didn't want to be threatened. Wow, really? Really? And so you didn't speak up on the most emergent and threatening issue of our time. This issue threatens truth itself. It threatens the biblical order. How could we not speak out? Compassion and mercy, if you don't have courage, okay, fine. Do you have mercy? Do you have compassion? One of those must compel us to speak out. And I don't, you know, the book of Revelation talks about those who will <laughs> spend eternity in the lake of fire. One of them is the cowardly. I mean, that's extraordinary, the cowardly. So I'd like to believe, Jen, that there is a remnant amongst God's people. In fact, I'm certain of it. You know why I'm certain of it? Because God called me and others to speak to them. If they didn't exist, he wouldn't waste my time. They're because there is a remnant out there that loves children, loves families, loves God, loves the truth, loves this nation, loves the world like Jesus did. Uh, that I believe that we, they will be willing to come around their families, around their, their children, to protect them, to do what is right, to speak out. And I just, I have faith that you're out there. I just have faith that you, that you are. Uh, Chloe, there is a principle called identificational repentance, where you actually repent on behalf of those sins that you maybe need to commit yourself, but you're repenting on behalf of others who did. It's somewhat what Jesus did on the cross. It's what the priests did when they represented the sins of the people to, to God. They were identifying with the need for repentance, even though it wasn't applying to they themselves who had committed the sin. And you grew up in a community where there had to be a bunch of churches. You grew up where there had to be a bunch of pastors. I've been a pastor forever. And on behalf of the pastors who failed in your community, Probably many of them with good intentions, many of them trying hard, some with not so good intentions. Uh, I, I want to I ask your forgiveness on behalf of the pastors who allowed your community to get in this situation where you were drawn into this level of deception and lies and a whole network of people lying with you. School officials, medical community, many others, social workers lying with you that have brought such enormous harm, pain, suffering to your body and a lot of question marks regarding your future what you have physically that you're able to do or not able to do so on behalf of those i ask your forgiveness for the sin of pastors in your community you're in the same state i'm in we're both in california i'm way south of san diego you're north of me a good distance but in your community i ask forgiveness for the sin of us as pastors and the school administrators and leaders and authorities in your community who failed you, who did you harm, who lied, who cheated and stole your future mm. and drove you almost to the point of death in some arenas of your life. We just pray, uh, pray that th those I'm representing will repent on their own. But in the meantime, I just want to repent on their behalf. Thank you, sir. I want to also share with you just to understand the whole pastoral ministry dynamic and I want to get back to questions to you, is I've been at this for a while. I, I preached my first sermon as a college freshman. That was 1966. So that was like right after Noah's flood. It's a long time ago. And so 
if we preach on a topic and mention the word abortion, that was fine. But in 1973, if you preached on it, that was considered political. Pastor, you're being political. So the line got moved. This was political. This is biblical. Biblical starts shrinking. And then if you start preaching on the definition of marriage, all of a sudden, that was political. So you had to move it over. If you mention the H word, homosexuality, well, that's pastors being political. We'll leave the church and take our tithe checks with us. Oh, so it got moved over. So political became bigger and bigger and bigger. Biblical, what a, what a preacher was allowed to talk about. And, and now we're all the way down to the issue of transgenderism, T, male and female established them. And now if you mention that, oh, pastor, you're being, you're being political. Now, some pastors have fallen for that when God is over everything. There's no such thing as political separate from, we're actually being biblical when we preach on those things. We're not being political. But that's part of the, the arena, which I was apologizing for in a moment. Let me pose this question. I want to make sure I have my language right. There, there is technically no such thing as transgenderism, trans change. You can't change your gender. You're, you're always the same. But we use that language today because it's what the public uses and understands. Then when someone comes right. out of that, is there any other word? I guess my first, I'm going to give a three-pronged question. But the first question is, is there any other language we should be using so that by even the use of the word, we're not affirming that which is inherently a lie? There is no transgenderism. The second part of my question is, someone says detransition. Is that the best word to use? One of my buddies uh, says no. The best way to say is uh, he presented himself as a woman, but now he's representing himself as a man. So they use that, those, that language. I don't know the nuance of that language, but coach all of us, what's the best language to use on this, either one of you or both of you? And, and then, then answer this question, is there any other word we could use besides transgenderism? Because it yeah. seems to yield to them yes. the high ground in this debate. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the first one, Chloe, and you can take the second one on the, on the detrans uh, language. Um, yes, I encourage people to use the word trans-identified because transgenderism is it's merely an identification, kind of like a sign that you wear, some you know, uh, or, or a name. It's 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 actually that it has no biological genesis. There's no as a as a woman. There's no piece in me that's male. So it's, it's all about identification. So I typically will use the word a trans-identified person. I rarely ever use the word transgender. Uh, another term that you can use is a gender dysphoric person. It's a person experiencing gender dysphoria. Those are the two terms that I encourage people to use. Are we allowed to ever say it's just simply mental illness and a combination of sin? The, that, that gets into a lot of complexities that that I think would be distracting, Jim, particularly in the circles that you walk in. And it's not particularly helpful because the people that you're talking to or, or listening to, they don't consider it to be a mental illness. And so um, in general public circles, I don't use those terms. Now in more intimate, when I'm explaining things, yeah, it is a mental illness. <laughs> it would have been called that until a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. But but in terms of you, when you're talking about broad language usage. Yes, I understand. That I, I think. How about detransition for you, Chloe? Um, I, I think my answer to both those questions actually would be to always speak within the realm of reality and refer to a person as they were born, as they always will be, as their birth sex, as their birth identity. 
Yes. Yes. And that's true. I, I don't refer to a male that identifies as a female as a female. I don't use she. But on that very issue, um, you have people being fired for that. And in some places, I think the fines are up to as high as $250,000. If you misgender somebody, um, I'm with you on this, but what are the options? Um, they're, they're just somebody all going to lose their jobs. Well, California is a very um, strange place on this. It is the most extreme. That's not the case in, mo in the rest of the country. Um, and I'm not a California attorney, but generally speaking, all Americans have a First Amendment free speech and free religious exercise right. And so if I were in that situation in a, in a state like California, the devs that extreme, I would simply, I'd be asserting to my boss or to um, you know, educational community that as a matter of my sincerely held religious belief and faith, I do not believe that God makes mistakes. And I believe it's actually an accusation. It's, it's disrespectful towards God to be calling a male as a female. And so I, I, as a, you know, as a matter of my faith, I will need to use accurate, biologically accurate language. And there has been some, um, in Virginia, I know uh, there's definitely one case I can think of where a school teacher was, um, their free exercise and free speech rights were vindicated in court. Mm -hmm. I believe there has been a couple of others in colleges that I could think of around the country, at least two or three other cases. So there's case law that would support that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chloe, any more you want to respond to that issue? Um, yeah, I mean, as Vernon said, it's an infringement on our rights to free speech. And we cannot concede that. No. Yeah. No. Uh, Before we end, I would like to say one more thing about something you just said, which is so hugely important. And that is somehow that this issue and others uh, is a political issue. And, and using that reason as an excuse or as, as a reason to feel as if it's inappropriate for a minister, a pastor, an apostle, a prophet to speak about this in their role or even from the pulpit. Let me, t let's, let's put it this way. Government was God's idea, not man's. It was God's idea. The book of Romans makes perfectly clear that God instituted government and, and, a, and the, the government that God institute is to punish evildoers and to protect and, and to reward those who follow the law, essentially. And so if God made government, then how can it, and, and the book of Psalm 24 says, the entire earth is the Lord's, including government is the Lord's. Then how can it possibly be that we do not feel the right to speak out and the need to speak out on a matter, a critical matter of governance where the government is forcing this issue upon us. It is public government run schools that are secretly transitioning children. Mm -hmm. It is government that, as you say, would might be punishing people for using the wrong pronouns. It is government that is authorizing males to take away sports opportunities and even physically injure female athletes. So if the government had not 
inserted itself where it doesn't belong by distorting male and female, then we wouldn't have to push back. So it is very much within our ambit as occupiers of the land that God created that we influence our government. So it's, it is a perfectly appropriate, in fact, it's a necessary topic for us to be speaking about. It's interesting in Genesis 1 and 2, the first thing God established was gender specificity, yes. male, female. The second thing he established was the issue of marriage. The third thing he added was procreation. And so the enemy went after that in reverse order. Take your least contested ground first. So abortion, killing the procreated. Secondly, destroy the definition of marriage. And then come after the hardest one, and that is call men, women, and women, men. Mess with the any mm -hmm. sense of specificity of male versus female. And that's why this is a spiritual warfare, and this is why it's going to take Christians, believe, Bible believers, to counter the demonic strongholds and influence because it is in the spiritual realm where this activity has come into our young people through the media through different sources and and possessed their their very mind and and soul so when we go to um follow this step footsteps of the apostles we go to ephesus and ephesus was such a deranged perverted city, opposite, totally opposite of biblical truth and foundation. The apostle Paul was just overwhelmed at the atrocities and the chaos. And he, he just couldn't believe what he was seeing that people were practicing in society. This was not, this is nothing new. Men dressed as women, women dressed as men as part of a pagan cult of ancient ancient Middle East um, times. So this is nothing new. The enemy has just returned when we removed God to fill that vacuum because people will serve either God or they're going to serve Satan. They're going to serve these demons. So this is why Paul, I believe, wrote the Gospel of Ephesians, which is noted for obedience to the Lord and to God's word, but also to put on the full armor of God because being filled with the Holy Spirit and enlisting the resources, the spiritual resources that are available to us as believers in Yeshua, in Jesus Christ, is the answer and the formula and the prescription to overcome and to set our young people free. In fact, the first uh, piece of armor we're told to put on is the belt of truth. Yes. The belt of truth. And to, like you said, to speak the truth always, that is a weapon to overcome the enemy. And then most of all, the helmet of salvation and deliverance. And, and as believers, I believe we should be praying, physically praying for our young people, laying hands on them, commanding the enemy to loose them, to be gone in the name of Jesus, taking up authority and helping them get set free. And, and I know many people, they didn't know how to do it themselves. They didn't know how to pray. They didn't know how to call unto God and take that authority. Someone had to come and begin to cut the chains, break the ropes, and a little bit by little bit, they were able to free themselves as well. But it, 
it begins with us taking spiritual action and and applying God's word in practical ways because this is what it's for right now for our next generation to save their lives. Well, we're going to go. That's that's a wonderful transition. We're going to go into prayer in just a moment. Just a couple of encouraging notes or one encouraging note. Mm -hmm. When Rosemary and I travel, we travel a fair amount, uh, particularly in Europe. And we were at a conference in London last year. And this wasn't a Christian conference, but they suggest I'm going to paraphrase what one of the speakers said. This was kind of a preppy event with former prime ministers and high level government people, small conference. But they referenced that the, the, the public is finally getting that has gone too far, a bridge too far. What's the bridge too far? They hinted it was the religion of climate change and mm. transgenderism. Yes. That pushed people over the edge. Cutting off little boys' privates and calling them girls isn't going to fly with the public in general. Even those who don't consider themselves regenerate, they have enough of a sense of the truth of God or enough Judeo-Christian values. They know this is sin. They may not use the word sin, but they know it's wrong and not, and not acceptable. I would add one more thing to that, and that is simply a porous border, a non-existent border with people pouring across, known to be some of them known to be terrorists. Those three things are just pushing at least Americans over the brink and realizing this this is not acceptable. So there is some encouraging news. It's transgenderism per se, trans identification, I should call it, is not receiving the white acceptance. There's a recoiling. Uh, away from that once they saw what that really in, entailed. Um, I would ask a question, uh, Chloe, in, in your conversation with people, you, you've known, I, I suspect you've known a lot of people who trans-identified, and I pray you've known a lot of people who are detransitioning from right. that. Uh, oh, oh, good. Oh, I want to hear about that. Uh, here's a question that I wonder, among that trans-identifying community, do they ever not realize that if they go through all these surgeries and all this thing they do for a man to become a woman, a woman, a man, and an archaeologist finds their bodies 200 years from now, they're going to be XX or XY. They cannot change their their gender or their sexuality. Do they, I mean, do, there are. Do they yeah, there that, are. That's stamped on them permanently. There are, are quite a few, especially within the older generations, the transgender people who are aware of this, that they are not actually becoming the opposite sex. Um, and I would say that almost every single one of them actually is very privy to the, to the fact that that's the truth, that they cannot change. And that's why they want to go further and further and deeper and deeper into the this course of treatment, into the delusion. And they try to cover themselves. They surround themselves with lies. Yeah, that's a powerful answer. Yeah, the, right. um, I, I, it's kind of late on my side of the of the nation. Yeah, we're going to finish, finish, wrap this up. <laughs> okay, and I definitely want to make sure we have the chance to pray because, as you said, this is private. This is not going to go out. How, how public will this be? Very public. So I, I want to know this. Uh, how can people contact you? I need a website or contact information. If they want Chloe to come speak, uh, you can speak to that as her attorney or or whatever your relationship is there. And then also, um, can you say just a word about lawsuits? Are there active lawsuits? And is there any, is Chloe inclined to write a book of her story? Is that underway? This needs to be really get out in a book form as well as short videos, et cetera. 
Any of that happening? Let's start with the book and the videos. Anything happening there in that arena? Um, I do believe I will write a book at some point. I will actually, I definitely will. But I just don't feel like right now is a time because I believe I'm very, I'm very early in, in this journey of mine. It's right. something that's only just beginning. Um, but right now I actually am running a YouTube channel where I also post the same videos on my X account. Um, those are two of my three main platforms, um, the other being Instagram. And how can they find you? They're all, yeah, they're all under the same username, um, C H O O O C O L E. And you, you should be able to find me by just looking up Chloe Cole as well on those platforms. Know your first name again. Oh, is that? Know your first name again. Oh, yeah, it's spelled, my first name is spelled C H L O E. Yeah, Chloe Cole. And uh, lawsuits, attorney, can you speak to that? Sure. Oh, well, Chloe? Yeah, well, okay, so Chloe has, she's engaged in a lawsuit against the practitioners that committed malpractice against her, her body. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not the attorney who's brought that, but I, but I know her attorneys. And, and then our law firm, the Child and Parental Rights Campaign, has uh, a number of federal lawsuits. We have two federal lawsuits in Florida, one in Massachusetts, one in Wyoming, um, and we're about to file another one in Pennsylvania that are all against school districts that have secretly transitioned children and have harmed them in the process. We have a Title IX lawsuit against a school district in Georgia that allowed uh, males into girls' bathrooms and it resulted in a little girl being sexually assaulted in the girls' bathroom. Um, so these lawsuits are all ongoing. I just interviewed recently Josh Alexander in Canada. Some girls came to him and said, we don't want boys in our bathroom. He went to the, it was a Catholic high school. He went to the principal, he complained. The principal wouldn't hear of it. So he organized a protest. The school threatening student, if you participate, you'll have trouble. The students backed away and didn't, but the community came up and protest. They kicked him out. The attorney said, you go back to that school, at your school. He went in, they had the police come and arrest him. I interviewed him recently, was with him in, in, in person. This is moving to some very serious, various levels. Website, uh, Bernadette, any website they can go to or contact for you? Sure. So once again, the, the website that was on the graphic that I sent you. And Child for childparentsrights.com. Child parent rights, right there, childparentrights.org. And for the, yeah, just if you just go childparentrights.org, you'll see how to be, you, there's a way to contact us. You, you'll see the contact button. You would see a donate button if you feel so led to support this, this effort. We, we don't charge our clients. Each federal lawsuit is a minimum of $300,000, more like half a million dollars easily by the time it's you all done. So um, that's how you can get in touch with us. And well, they can make donations there as well. We're going to pray for you. We kept you on way, way, way too long. If they want to contact Chloe to speak, do they just go through you? Is that the best? Or, or is there some other way, Chloe? No, contact Chloe directly. Go ahead. Yeah. So my contact, if anybody wants to have me out on an event or do an interview with me, would be my, my, my speaking inquiries email, which is chloecolespeakinginquiries at gmail.com. Say one more time. Chloe Cole speaking inquiries at, at, at gmail.com. All and right. 
And if a, a church wanted to have me come and speak or a gathering or a conference, which I do quite a bit of those, it would be info at childparentrights.org. Info at childparentrights.org. Rosemary, pray over these ladies right now, if you would. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for these Esthers and these women, biblical, godly, beautiful women of the kingdom of God who are shining brightly with your truth at this time. Lord, I ask that you send legions of heavenly angels, guardian angels, to surround them and all of their clients. Lord, we know that this is a very treacherous warfare that is taking the life of our children and the next generation and bringing such chaos and disaster upon your precious people. So, Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you just pour out your precious presence upon them in divine protection, divine enablement. Father, gift them to communicate with authority above and beyond their natural measure, that as they speak, fear of God would come through their, their very voice with the Holy Spirit. You would travel upon their words and bring conviction and break the heart of those who are bound and set the captives free and really transform their <clears throat> spirit, souls, and some bodies back to the design, the beautiful design you created in the beginning, that you would do a work of restoration and give them a ministry of restoration, of salvation, of deliverance, of redemption, that they bring out um, those who are bound and bring forth a great harvest of, of people who um, will love you and serve you. I thank you for providing for them. I thank you for touching them right now physically. Keep them in good health. Heal any disease or disorder they may have. We ask for supernatural provision for them as they are called for such an important moment in history on the very front lines of spiritual warfare and governmental warfare. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll just not pray. I'll just look at both of you and just make this declaration so you can open your eyes. Bernadette, you are remarkable. You are brilliant. Uh, you are singular in your focus, and we desperately need what you're doing. So I encourage the World Prayer Network family, go to that website, encourage her, and support her if you possibly can. And I want to say to Chloe, uh, Chloe, you are stunningly articulate. I suspect your IQ might be rather high. You are profound. There's very, very few 19-year-olds that can have the command of the language the, the and, and so composed and together. And she's a and, beautiful woman. Yes, you are. <laughs> and, yes. and that's right. And and God has raised you up for a unique moment. What the enemy meant for evil, you've gone through the crucifixion. Now you're in the resurrection. And you've survived three days in the tomb. Yeah. And God has raised you up in a unique way, in a unique moment, to impact a generation in a critical way. Perhaps you are you are the evangelist of truth. Of your generation, mm. and you are the truth bearer who will be listened to, Amen. and your methodology, even the social media exposure. I just 
phrase continues to expand mm -hmm. in, in incomprehensible numbers. And we just pray that hedge of protection around you and that avalanche of blessing upon your life and full and complete healing supernaturally to your body, supernatural healing to your body. We just declare this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.